This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN 2, you could say, play ESPN, your smart speaker. Boom, right there. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. You can download the podcast. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We have Hugh Jackson. Coming up at 8.30, we have Les Snead, GM mm. of the Super Bowl-bound Rams, coming up at 9.30. Um, now, Hugh at 8.30, this comes a day after Hugh Jackson accuses the Browns of paying him to lose games. Remember, he went 1-31 in two seasons with the Browns and was roundly not only criticized but made fun of. I was one of the people like, 1-31, that ain't good. A spokesperson for the Browns called the charge – quote, completely fabricated and said that, quote, any accusation that any member of our organization was incentivized to deliberately lose games is categorically false. Now, you said on SportsCenter the team had a four-year plan. Well, Daryl Morey in Philly had, what was that, a three-year plan? It turned into a five-year plan, whatever it was. It turned into a 15-year plan. It's called the process. It wasn't Daryl Morey. Sorry, I said Daryl Morey. It was, um, uh, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on Hinkie. his name. Yeah, Sam Hickey. At any rate, four-year plan incentivized losing during the first two years, which led to the 1-31 in record, 2016-2017, this according to Hugh Jackson. Hugh said that bonus money was available if certain measurables were met, such as aggregate rankings, being the youngest team and having so many draft picks. Jackson said he told Browns owner Jimmy Haslam that he wasn't interested in bonus money and instead wanted that money used to improve the team. Now, this comes a day after Brian Flores said this on Get Up about what Stephen Ross did to incentivize him to lose games in Miami. You know, that was uh, a conversation about not doing as much as we needed to do to win football games. Take a flight, go on vacation. I'll give you $100,000 per loss. Like, those are just the you know, exact words. Um, and it's not something, look, I deal in truth. And I say that to the players as well. I'm going to give you good news, bad news, but it's going to be the truth. It's going to be honest. So to disrespect the game that way was something that, you know, trust was lost and there were certainly some, some strained relationships. And ultimately, I think that was you know, to my demise. Well, I mean, he, he offered the wrong dude a bribe. He'd have come to me with that. Max, here's 100 grand. Take a vacation. Per game. <laughs> yeah. Every week. Per game. Take a, one, take a vacation see, every week Max, for 100 grand a week. But see, Max, you would do that. You know why? Hmm. Because Stephen Ross didn't play. And Stephen right. Ross doesn't understand. So you would do it, Max, because you didn't play. You didn't understand what we go through. No, I got that's you. That's just not – man, we're not doing was, that. And I that's the co- coaches. When I hear that, I get so teed off, man, thinking about – Somebody coming to me to take some money to lose. Like, that, that's not what I signed up for. Yeah, no doubt. No one wants to win. lose. Especially not the blood, sweat, and tears put into football. Stephen Ross doesn't understand that. 
he going to, you know, at the end of the day, he going to back that 300-foot yacht up to the thing. He going to get in. He going to have his little cocktails, eat his little sushi and caviar. He doesn't understand that you work your ass off. Well, here's Stephen Ross's statement in response. With regards to the allegation being made by Brian Flores, I'm a man of honor and integrity and cannot let them stand without responding. I take great personal exception to these malicious attacks, and the truth must be known. His allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. We understand there are media reports stating that the NFL intends to investigate his claims, and we will cooperate fully. I welcome that investigation, and I am eager to defend my personal integrity and the integrity and values of the entire Miami Dolphins organization from these baseless, unfair, and disparaging claims. Guys, my, my first thought is they, need, they still haven't investigated this, apparently. That's going to be ongoing. It sounds like this is going to take some time. We'll see. But the claims against the Giants, the league came out, boom. Like, th- within a second, they came out, this is, uh, this, without merit. <laughs> what? How, how are you able to find that out so fast? You haven't found this out yet? It, it, you know, listen, Brian Flores' attorney on Get Up yesterday pointed out what I just said. It's like, without merit, how do they know that so fast? Um, that was a red flag for me as well in the NFL's response. But here, apparently, there will be an investigation, and Stephen Ross welcomes it, Jay. So just a, well, curiosity striking the mind here. Is there evidence? Because it sounds like that's hearsay. And I, I'm not disagreeing What's with Brian Flores of the fact that Stephen Ross said, hey, 100 grand for every game. We'll find out. He's good. Well, there's if, a suit. If there is an evidence, so how, how else would you have evidence other than if you tape record that conversation, right? Well, you, well, have, you, yeah, know, you know in discovery – there's going to be depositions. There's going to be discovery. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a betting man, and I, you know, if I'm a betting man, Brian Flores probably didn't disclose everything, you know? Some stuff they kind of, them lawyers, you know them, they'll keep some stuff of out course, of yeah, it yeah. until it's time to, because they want Stephen Ross in, in the Miami Dolphins and the National Football League and the New York Giants. They want everybody to put everything at the middle. We didn't do it. That's no, there's no merit. There's no this and that. Well, got that. And then all of a sudden they go, well, what is this? So I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss, you know, the Stephen Ross accusations. I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss the oh. Giants until it all kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't kinda, think Jay. Well, I, think I wasn't. No, not Jay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not talking okay. about Jay. I'm just talking about people in general. No doubt. Just, yeah. That's yeah. why when they yeah. say without merit, when they say without merit, that came out. Lickety split. That was a little too quick. Like they kind of play. And to me, that's you, a playing of yourself when you say you, when the league, which is I understand it's made up of the owners, but ostensibly has the game, the best interest of the game in mind. When the league comes out that day and says without merit, it seems to me, did they? Yeah. How could you have done your due diligence, Jay? In res- in response to your, hey, what kind of evidence could he possibly have? That's a reasonable question. Yes. I would no, say absolutely. the key's point when you during a during a lawsuit especially if there is some conspiracy. In other Mm -hmm. words, it's not just one person telling another, but there are other witnesses to it or other people with knowledge of it. To get everyone to continue to conspire when there are things like perjury hanging in the air is, is not so easy. You know, so, so there, there, there is a process. It's not a perfect process, but it sometimes does yield the right results. Think about it, Jay, you know, this just because you're a smart guy that, he ain't really, and I mean he, I'm talking about Brian Flores. I don't believe that he would put his entire uh, career yeah. on the line, his reputation, mm-hmm. just everything, so to speak, to not have something, whatever that something is, they got to yeah. prove it, but 
something to back up his claims. You know, and we well. we like juicy. We we want to see it now. We don't want to wait. We want it right now. But he's got to have something to, you know, just like uh, uh, Hugh Jackson said. Hey, we got evidence. We turn stuff into the league. These stories just get juicier and juicier you know as what, the day Keith? goes. Follow you that know what trail he has? of crumbs, right? Like, you know let me Bri- lead you to it. You know what Brian Flores has to me, which may be the biggest thing. And uh, now, now, follow, try and follow this one, okay? Right? Because I'm I'm thinking this as I'm speaking it. Brian Flores comes off as a guy who the thing he has is the truth, as he understands it. Mm-hmm. And he's going straight ahead with that. And so, Key, even if he doesn't have the evidence that would convince, that would rise to the level of winning, mm-hmm. whether or not he does, we'll find out. The fact that he comes across as a guy who's more interested in telling the truth than figuring out those details helps him in this case, in the very least, in the court of public opinion. Yes. He yeah, does absolutely. not yes. come across as insincere. Max, I'm going I'm to spend some time with Brian later on today. But when I watched almost every interview that he did yesterday, Key, on CBS. I watched it last night on Don Lemon. Um, I, I watched it here with Greeny. It, it, seemed, it came across as very calculated. Like, this had been practiced. Like this had not, I'm not saying he didn't speak from the heart, because he spoke from the heart, but... He doesn't strike me as somebody that just speaks off the cuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It feels like, hey, this is what I'm going into the game. Like a coach. Like he's very strategic mm-hmm. like that. Here's what the game plan is. And I, I, I think the thought of integrity of sports, right, is laughable to me. Because that would equate to integrity of business. And that, those, world, those are the same words, right? Like we conflate sports with, oh, gamesmanship and – integrity of it but like that's not the way the business world their competitive really works, interests right? in their business it don't work that you, way you know it, it it's um it's gonna be interesting because as i mentioned discovery and depositions and all that sort of stuff and i go back to the giants this opens up a can for everybody now now they're gonna dive into more text messages when they want to know you know hey who did you receive that message from mr belichick who, now you start to connect dots in communication with people, and I'm sure they're going to attack every communication that's possible with the Miami Dolphins and their organization, you know, email trails and text message trails. This thing is going to get real interesting down the line and nasty before it gets good. There are so many angles to get into, and we will in the coming hours and days. So moving forward, how do more black head coaches get First opportunities, let's start there, and then second opportunities, especially when they've had success like Brian Flores. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, Sirius XM Channel 80. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/morning and use code Morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com/morning, code Morning for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. In 1920, halfback Fritz Pollard led the Akron Pros to a championship in the newly formed National Football League. The next season, he accepted the role of player coach, becoming the first black head coach in NFL history. Today, his impact is felt through the Fritz Pollard Alliance, an organization advocating for diversity in coaching and front office positions. ESPN Radio celebrates Black History Always. Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio. We got Hugh Jackson coming up at 8.30. Got Les Sneed coming up at 9.30. Right now, we have the founder of the National Coalition of Minority Football Coaches with us, Mike Loxley. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. How you doing, Coach? Can't call it. Can't call it. <laughs> Good to have you, Coach. Coach, you founded the National Coalition of Minority Football Coaches. What's the goal of the coalition? Yeah, we started the organization about two years ago, right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I had a chance to kind of uh, reevaluate where we were. Uh, you know, I had just taken a job here at Maryland. Uh, I'd been a year in and you know, I grew up doing the Black Coaches Association era where Coach Thompson, the late John Thompson, and Nolan Richardson, and, and, and George Ravelin, and these guys in the basketball side really stood up for some of the same issues amongst black coaches in all sports. And as I kind of uh, reevaluated or quality controlled where we were with this football thing, it, it didn't sit well with me. So I picked up the phone and, and called Mike Tomlin at Pittsburgh, who is a great friend of mine. We came into business together and said, you know, we're both on the back nine of our career. It's, it's, we probably need to do something to pay this thing forward, and, and this organization was, was born. And, you know, the mission of it was to prepare, uh, promote, and produce uh, coaches at every level. You know, I heard you guys talk about the Fritz Pollard thing, and they, they focus on the NFL, but we do youth coaches that want to become high school coaches, high school coaches that want to become college coaches, college coaches that maybe want to jump to the NFL, and we try to create uh, – programming that prepares them uh, we try to do a great job of uh, getting their names out there the great coaches that are doing good things in all levels by promoting them and then when jobs open uh, you know we've been able to produce names because they always say hey there's not enough people to qualify people and that's just not true so we're an advocacy organization coach Lasky, what why has there been such a a hard time in forming a union to protect the coaches 
<laughs> you know, it's uh, it's 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 funny because it's they the the powers that be don't want it, and it's similar to what the players have, have are facing here at the college level. I know in the NFL they have the players' union, but in the college level, as you see more and more rights being given to players, uh, it's the same thing here with coaches. I mean, we at the NFL level. We, you know, we don't have the power. Um, they're private entities owned by 32 different individuals, and uh, they don't want it. Coach, uh, obviously yesterday there was a bombshell with Brian Flores. What are your thoughts just on the overall situation in general? Yeah, I think, and, and I, I used an analogy um, yesterday where, you know, when, when, when the NFL created the challenge flag, it happened because, you know, referees were missing calls in the game and, and egregious calls were happening and fans could see it with the review that was shown on TV. And so, you know, they created – they go under the hood, they look at it frame by frame. Sometimes they send it to New York to, to make decisions. And, and Brian Flores threw a challenge flag to uh, about the hiring procedures in the NFL. And now the interesting thing is to see if the NFL is going to follow the same – or have that same energy with how they evaluate the challenge flag he's thrown with his lawsuit to say, hey, let's get under the hood and see what's really going on. Let's look at this thing frame by frame and let's get it right because that's what's the purpose of it. So, um, you know, it's it's a shame that that Coach Flores had to do it, um, almost become a martyr on his own, but I I, uh, definitely commend him for his courage and being able, and as a as an organization that's here to advocate for minority coaches at every level, uh, we definitely want to be here to support him so he doesn't feel like he's on an island while we continue to monitor the litigation that's taking place. Mike Loxy, uh, Maryland head football coach, joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Coach, I know that you – I've been knowing you for a long time, and, and, and mm-hmm. you practice – what you preach, you hire minorities to run your team, offense, defensive coordinators, whatever it may be, you empower them. How come it's, it's so hard in both college and the pros for minorities, in particular blacks, to get head coaching opportunities as well as coordinating positions? <laughs> you know, that's and that's the reason this organization was started because we're, we're trying to – figure it out what, what's what we've seen though is that this moving goalpost that we continue to shoot at um or kick at you know every time it's hey we need a guy that has quarterback experience and then we start trying to you know prepare and program to get more quarterback coaches and you got guys like pep hamilton who's taken andrew luck uh to afc championship games and has really you know you never hear his name come up and so then it's where well, they hire a receiver coach that's that's, that doesn't have the quarterback experience. So the moving goalpost has been has been hard for us to catch up with. Yeah. Uh, but what we're trying to do is really study this thing, Key, and, 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 and try to anticipate where they're going next. And, I mean, to me, that's what this organization is all about, is trying to find solutions rather than continue to – I mean, it's almost like Groundhog Day with no pun intended. With every hiring cycle, we keep having these same discussions, and then they disappear. And so the coalition is here to try to – keep these things ongoing and continuing to try to apply pressure while also, as we keep saying, preparing, promoting, and producing uh, minority coaches for these jobs. Let me ask you this, uh, Coach. Do you think when we have athletic directors that are African-American in college and in the National Football League there are African-American general managers, is there a duty 
for them to look at us as blacks and give us, give us those opportunities and push back on the presidents of the universities and the owners because we are qualified and we need that opportunity. Is there a duty for that? Yeah, I think there's a responsibility that comes along with those positions. But as we all know, um, the athletic director in the college game, and this was, which has made the college hiring so tricky, is that there's ADs that don't make hires. The hires are made by very prominent uh, boosters or supporters of the program rather than the athletic director sometimes. And just like black general managers don't always have that power. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm at a place where we have a black athletic director. We have a black president of our university. And we happen to be located in the richest minority area in the world. And so, uh, which was has enabled me to not just be the coach at Maryland, but also, you know, start this organization and be, and they're very supportive of it. Mike, why do you feel like certain Caucasian coaches get second chances when black coaches aren't afforded the same opportunity? When you think about guys like Eric Mangini, Adam Gase, why is that not afforded to the same degree to black coaches? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> if I had the answer to that question, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd have this thing figured out. I'm one of the few that got a second chance. You know, I failed miserably. In the college ranks uh, early, you know, I got the head job at the University of New Mexico at the age of 37. And after two years and four games, a, a really hard job uh, was let go. Um, but then I had to become very, very deliberate in my decision making. Um, and what I found, and this is why I started the coalition, was I, was I found a pathway to kind of play the game. And, and I rebranded myself. I went and worked for a guy named Nick Saban. Um, and he was able to validate, you know, when he picks up the phone and calls and says, hey, I got a, a great coach, people answer his calls. And so I was very deliberate um, when, when I got let go at New Mexico to, to go and uh, uh, put myself with a, a head coach that would have the ability to promote me. And that's why part of our deal with the coalition is promoting. And uh, Coach Saban, you know, really helped me get back to where I am now, where I'm at my dream job. I grew up in D.C. and I'm coaching at the University of Maryland that I grew up rooting for as a kid. Uh, coach, do you do you believe though when you you talked about New Mexico and I remember that time period for you at New Mexico, but when you talk about New Mexico, which is a program that you're going to struggle to build, there's no question about it, but are both in college and in the NFL are black coaches set up to a degree to fail because of the jobs that they have to take. They're not afforded to walk into a Green Bay with an Aaron Rodgers at quarterback to have success. They have to go to a team that is very poor, whether it's college or in the NFL. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, 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 that seems to have been the deal, and that's where it's the dog chasing its tail because you're given those opportunities at really tough places and expected to, to get it done in a short period of time. You heard me talk about being fired in two years and four games, and I took over a program that had a major NCAA penalty. We'd lost 15 scholarships. And so sometimes we are uh, given these opportunities where the deck is already stacked against us in terms of having success. And uh, it kind of continues this trend that, oh, we can't get it done because we've taken – some of these jobs in it, and, and when we when we fail and fail miserably, you know, I heard Hugh talking the other day on ESPN, and and when you fail miserably, all it does is it um, adds to that commentary that we we aren't 
we can't lead programs. We can't lead and have great success as minority coaches, and that's not true. You know, we've had minority coordinators in the NFL win Super Bowls and not be given some of the opportunities that have happened up in Philadelphia and San Diego. And sometimes you even take over a team that's, you know, from Adam Gase that's awful, and there are allegations that the team wanted to tank and you still have winning season after winning season and still lose your job and wind up suing the league. Coach, thanks a million for jumping on with us this morning. It was uh, edifying. No problem, thanks, guys. Coach. Go Terps! You guys having me. Go Terps! Go Terps! Coach no, Mike Loxley, like ladies and gentlemen. That. that is the founder of the National Coalition of Minority Football Coaches. Key's going to tell you one way that more black coaches can get opportunities, and it, I don't know, sounds pretty... Simple to us. Jim Harbaugh left Minnesota on Wednesday without an offer to become the next head coach of the Vikings. Getting back in the NFL, you got to make 100% damn sure it's the right situation for you. According to sources, Harbaugh had been preparing for his meeting with Minnesota with the belief that the job was his to lose. That guy cares about his name. That guy cares about his reputation. He's been able to build it at Michigan. You don't want to unravel that by going into a situation where the money could have been right or may not have been right but it may not have been the right call for Jim Harbaugh to leave for that NFL job and go away from Michigan. Hugh Jackson at 8.30, Les Snead at 9.30, Keyshawn J. Willemax were presented by Progressive Insurance. You heard it in the Sports Center update. Jim Harbaugh was the favorite for the Vikings job yesterday, but now Harbaugh is heading back to Michigan, and Kevin O'Connell appears to be the favorite for the job now. Here is Courtney Cronin on what may have happened. He was under the assumption that because of his relationship with Adolfo Mensa, in most times, general managers, you know, who they want as the head coach or, you know, the candidates for that usually end up being the favorites for the job, that he goes there and it's probably his. And I just don't think that the Vikings, everybody else saw it that way. This was not just a job, a, a decision that the general manager was going to make. There were other ties in this with Ziggy and Mark Wilf, the, the owners of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, having a big voice and being able to de- decide this thing. Um, key, my first read was, huh, given what's going on in the NFL right now, Brian Flores, et cetera, uh, teams want to do their due diligence and actually dot all their I's and cross all their T's and do the process correctly and not just have some kind of wink, wink, nod, nod deal with a guy like Jim Harbaugh. He shows up thinking he has it, and his his boy's like, uh, Jim, you can't do it like that. But you had a different take. Well, they had already kind of checked that box, right? I believe they interviewed Raheem Morris. Uh, you know, so they kind of checked that box early on before they even got to Jim Harbaugh. I don't think that the Giants situation had anything to do with the decision-making that to move on from Jim Harbaugh and not offer him the job. I think it was just one that they sat down and they, you know, looked at him and said, man, it's probably not our guy. You know, conversations, you go to those interviews and you think one thing, and then it turns out to be something different. I mean, you've been in interviews before, I'm sure, when you've gone to try to get jobs and you walked in. He said, you know what, I really want to work here. But when you got there and the people that you had to interact with, you're like, you know what, man, I'm going back to – go work over here because it's better for me. Mm-hmm. And that may be the case where the, the Minnesota Vikings said, let's bring him in, let's sit down and talk to him. We understand what happened in San Francisco. We got it. Let's get his side of the story. Let's see if those two coexist, Jay. And then in the well, end. Well, well, Jay, 
He may not be the guy. He, Jay, wait, I, I just want to follow up on that. I mean, before for the way it usually works, to my understanding and in my experience, is you get a call from your rep. They give you the lowdown. You know, listen. So in Harbaugh's case, I imagine it's something like, listen, if you want it, it's yours. Go in and let them know that you're, you know, like that. How do the lines get of communication get crossed that bad that Harbaugh's under one impression, and they're like, oh no, 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 this is an interview for usually it like, and just in my experience, and just even observing these things, usually the they understand the deal going in, they know the shot going in. Hmm. Sounds like something got messed up here, Jay. I have no idea, but <laughs> when you have a top ten recruiting class that is confirmed and it's National Signing Day and you're not at the University of Michigan, but you're on the road at Minnesota interviewing for a job, <laughs> it leads one to assume that that job was locked up, right? Because you've made that statement, I'm out. That he was under the impression. Yeah, and is it just one million, pr- I'm is it, out. Is it just hubris? Is it simply pride goeth before the fall for Jim Harbaugh? I mean, I imagine, Key, he got some intelligence from somewhere telling him, yeah, I mean, Max, man. of course he, yeah, look, man. he went into it thinking he was getting the job because they probably gave some inclination inclination that you are the guy without really saying it. Probably like, oh, man, yeah, I think you, you got this. Why don't you just come in? Mm-hmm. And he got in, and like I said earlier, you maybe he this. picked his nose at the wrong time, and they were like, ah, we don't want this guy. He, just, You know, and that's – it happens. My experience is never a wrong time to pick your nose. So, Kevin O'Connell is now going to be the head coach of the Vikings. He's the fifth white head coach to be hired in this cycle. Key, what mm-hmm. is the biggest concern you see with the Vikings and the Bears specifically hiring Matt Eberflus and now Kevin O'Connell? Well, look, here's what I would say, man. I, I and Mike Loxley was just on with us, and I believe, me strongly, I believe there is a duty. Doesn't mean you have to, but there is a duty when you are a in a position of power and you are a, a minority, you are black, to take a look at qualified guys and make that happen. You know, I don't know that those two individuals didn't decide to make the offers and then to, to black hair coaches that they interviewed, and then all of a sudden the owners pushed back on it. I don't know that. I just know that if it was me and I was in the situation and I was the general manager or the athletic director, I wouldn't be there just for to be a pawn just to stand around as a token. We're not doing that. If I feel like this is the guy that I want to hire and I have a duty to make sure that I am going to change things in our environment, in our culture, and I believe that that black man is the guy that can do it, I'm going to hire him because I see what's out there. I see that there's a struggle for guys to get hired, okay, that can but, do the job. Yeah. You, There is a duty. Coach just said it. Coach said it. There's a duty. In fact, I've been having this conversation for a while now with different people in the National Football League as well as college about when you are a black man in a position of power, you need to give others opportunities because guess what? The white man does that. He gives them. He gives his people opportunities. I, I agree with you on the most part. On when, the most part. Well, yeah. Let me finish. Um, you are speaking from a Keyshawn Johnson perspective of somebody that is in a position of power because of what you've earned throughout your playing career, 
and you don't need the money. It's not about the money for you. It's about principle for you. So here, here, here's the only challenge I would say for a guy, and you brought my attention to this the other day, by the way, because I came on the show saying, you know, I, I would feel that there would be an intent for a guy like Ryan Pohl to hire somebody. He said, well, Jay, just be careful now because guys like George McCaskey, Ted Phillips above him put him in that position, and, but Ryan Pohl maybe not, may not have key the same clout coming into that situation that I, I you would have. Jay, I, I you know what I mean? So I, I'm not making an excuse for it because we're on the same page with it, but I, I am trying to you think You can only do what you can, you can do. Only, yeah. Unless you get to that position of power where you have that autonomy, you have that authority, where you don't care. So but how I, do you thread the needle? you got to play the game enough to get there to while win, also to, maintaining your integrity. as let me, yeah. winning yeah. Let me to tell, essentially get the power to say, now nah, I want this guy. Let me, let me tell you something, both of y'all. And I understand what you're saying, Jay that you want to get to a position of power where you can buck the system and have the authority to do certain things. But in this day and age and where we're at, and we've come a long ways, man. I've, I've studied this thing forever, Jay. And, and, and in my book, I, hear you, I just wrote a book in September that, 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 that hit the ground running in the, in the month of September. If you go back to 1921, 20, the last time prior to that, that was, 1921 was Fitz Pollard. He got hired. Between 21 and 89, zero black coaches. It took Al Davis to hire Art Shell in 1989 to be the first African-American coach. Okay? Yep. Because he understood that there was a duty. He was comfortable. He was raised and was born in Brooklyn. He's seen us walk the streets. So he wasn't intimidated. He hired the first female and Amy Trask. So it, it's like, look, I get it. You don't want these, these guys to put their careers at risk, but I just believe that there is a duty to push back, especially going I, through I the things that we're going through right now. You just, I don't know. I, for me, I just feel that way. Oh, no, I, I, we're, I, we're, and that's one of the main reasons – I've, over the years since I've been retired, I had the opportunity to be general manager. And many people know this. But because I am not going to sit there and allow you to tell me who to hire when I know that the right person for the job is this individual. I, he, I, I, so why I, am I even interviewing him? I, well, I, but once again, it goes back to my position. And I, I'm not saying that I disagree with how you look at it, because we're on the same page about that. We're both in positions of power. Like, I do that with my companies that I invest in, that I have a stake in, that I have a voice in. I do that. But I, I do try to be empathetic to first-year GMs who maybe don't come into the game with the same kind of clout, even though they may have the intent to want to hire. There may be a little bit more of a strategery involved, <laughs> a little bit more of a chess play for them on how they can get there. You know, and I, I just don't want to minimize that because that that's every, different strokes for different folks, right? Key can be a little bit more disruptive. Like Brian Flores can do that, but he's jeopardized potentially his job. But he also has been a winning coach proven in the league. Not all the people have that resume to, to do that. The Bucks say, guys, we're gonna, listen, there's a lot more on this in the coming hours, days, and weeks, obviously. The Bucks say they're going to explore every avenue possible to replace I'm ready. Tom Brady. <laughs> get him in there. Yeah, here's the question. Get him in there. <laughs> Will they go down? Should they go down? The Rogers Road, Wilson Way, Jimmy Drive. Oh, Evan. 
Oh, I got Baker one for you, Boulevard. Oh, oh, for crying Jimmy out loud. Jimmy Drive, Baker Boulevard. Max, I got one for the you. alliteration, yes. Byron Leftwich. <laughs> as head coach. No, as quarterback, offensive coordinator. <laughs> That's next. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. My favorite story about Tom and Coach Belichick's competitiveness goes back to 2003 when we played against the Indianapolis Colts in the RCA Dome. We're coming off a bad offensive series. We go to the bench. Coach Belichick comes over to the office of players, and he's just going all in on the offense. Tom was to the side talking to the other coaches, and Tom steps into the conversation and literally tells him, I got this. This is my unit. Go talk to the defense. I got this. And the look on Coach Belichick's face was just priceless. And I've never seen Coach walk away in a situation like that. Who steps to Coach Belichick in a moment like that? Tom. (laughs) Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, joined now by Damian Woody two-time Super Bowl champion teammate of Tom Brady's D. Wood. We haven't talked to you since Tom Brady retired on this program. So we got to get it for the record on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Your reaction to Brady's retirement. It's time, fellas. I mean, hell, the man is 44 years old. What more does a man have to accomplish? You know, in New England for 20 years, went to the Super Bowl 10 times, Won it six times, then moves on to Tampa and wins one win one there. I mean, there's nothing more the man has to accomplish. And at some point, you got to go home to the family, man. The family comes calling, and, you know, I just tip my cap to Tom. Job well done. The greatest of all time, in my opinion. Big Wood, what's next for Brady? Now that, that you mentioned everything, right? You got all, everything you need from a football standpoint. What's the next chapter in his life, in your opinion? Whatever the hell he wants to do. I mean, when you've done everything that Tom has done in his career, every door every door is accessible for him. I mean, we, we, you know, we see the TB12 method. We see, you know, the Brady brand, the clothing stuff. Like, this dude, production company, this dude has his hands in a lot of different things. Crypto. I mean, so, honestly, Key... Tom can do whatever he wants to do at this point. Should, should, should Patriot fans be mad at him that they felt snubbed, that he didn't, you know, hit them up in the announcement or do you, his retirement announcement, or do you think 
that when once he retires and he goes back to the stadium that he's saving something special for them? Key. Key. You 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 I don't even know why you even asked me that question, Key. Why why should they be mad? This man I don't gave you 20 years. Why why are you asking me this question, Key? This man gave him 20 years. I 20 know. years and six chips. Like he spoiled the hell out of them, and you're gonna get in your feelings because, oh, I didn't write, I didn't acknowledge the Patriots first. Like, come on now. We got a whole offseason. The season's not even over, and people are in their feelings about this whole thing. Can we just relax a little bit, please? I'm, I'm, I, hey, I'm just asking because I think he's gonna do something. Spe- I think something special <laughs> when he goes back to the stadium, like one of them nights or something. I, that's what I think. Hey guys, uh, big words speaking about. Yeah, I think it's gonna be something. I think they're gonna put together something special as well. But people just gotta relax, man. Let let everything play itself out. Don't get into your feelings about it. Don't My listen goodness. to him, everybody. Don't listen to him. This is sports talk radio. Don't relax. Let's get very excited about everything. <laughs> Knock that off. Damian, speaking of letting things play out, here's what Jason Light had to say about the Bucks replacing Tom Brady. We'll have to go down every avenue. Um, you know, it's a little bit different landscape than it was a couple years ago um, with the, the quarterbacks that were available for agency. So we'll have to we'll have to go down every avenue. We'll have to turn over every stone. I hate to use cliches like that, but we will. I think our roster is in better position than we were two years ago in terms of the um, young talent we have, the, the experience that they have at this point, what we've gone through in the last couple of years. So I'm excited about that. So, Damian, do you agree with him? Is his roster in a better place than what they were two years ago? And if that's the case, like, should they sign a quarterback? Should they trade for a quarterback? What should they do? Well, let's say when, when Tom Brady came, he obviously brought, you know, brought some players with him um, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and consequently went on to – win a Super Bowl down there in Tampa. Um, you know, they do have some free agents. They're gonna, there's going to be some change in, in that roster. Obviously, the big free agent is uh, Chris Godwin, um, who's, who's, you know, who's probably going to explore things coming off that ACL injury. But, listen, they, I'm sure they're going to roll. They're going to look under every rock to try to find a quarterback. It's, there's no way you can replace a Tom Brady, but there's going to be some guys that's going to hit the market or going to be available for trade. For anyone who doesn't follow Damian Woody on Twitter, he, I, I think you're one of the best Incredible. follows on Twitter, Damian. Like, you know, people just go off on social media. You're bound to say some stupid stuff at some point. Not Damian Woody. <laughs> Everything is razor sharp. When Flores' lawsuit came out, here was D. Wood's tweet. Flores chose violence on the start of Black History Month. And later you tweeted, <laughs> this that good trouble that John Lewis was talking about, Right. So uh, let me just ask yeah. you, Damien, for your big picture thoughts here. Well, listen, I, I think, you know, the one thing I'll say, just listen to uh, uh, Brian Flores, you know, he was on Get Up and he talked about changing the hearts and minds. That's not going to happen. You know, no one knows what's in these owners' hearts and stuff like that. But I do think, you know, with, with this lawsuit, there's got to be a reckoning. You know, that's what this is all about. It's got to be a reckoning. It's got to be some light shined on the process. Because that's what it's all about. It's about the process, the interview process. What, take us behind the behind the scenes. Let us. We we need more transparency as far as that is concerned, and as far as the allegations um, with the Miami Dolphins, that's a serious allegation, man. That is serious. If, if that tr- if that you know turns out to be true, man, Stephen Ross is going to have to come up off that team, in my opinion. 
That is a big picture take for sure, and I don't think it's incorrect. Mm. That's the great Damian Woody, ladies and gentlemen, who's trying to pretend that Tom Brady snubbing Patriots fans is no big deal. Don't listen to him. <laughs> Get very worked up. <laughs> You're on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, Sports Talk Radio, ESPN. D. Woods, we're making money over here. Thanks, D. Wood. Hugh Jackson at 8.30, Les Snead at 9.30, Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.